This is Paul St. Peter, the voice of Ninetale Fox from Naruto. You've been listening to Nutty Bites. <laughs> it is now official. It's live. Sort of. This is a live pre-recorded episode of Nutty Bites. And we are talking to you from the Talk Nerdy to Me studios. I mean, I don't know if it's a studio. It's more like a lair. The Talk Nerdy to Me lair. Filled with its minions and monsters who are trying to convert us to Cat Jesus. Uh, (laughs) From deep in the hollowed out volcano that you didn't know existed in the Appalachian Mountains, we are here at the Talk Nerdy to Me podcast secret lair. Yeah, why do you, you know, why why don't you, why do you think they call them the Smoky Mountains? Exactly. (laughs) It's that hollowed out skull volcano. Well, we've already learned from Rory, by the way, that the Smoky Mountains are called that because there is a dragon that lives within named Smoky. Uh, but hello, Mixed Nut Cases. This is Nuke Joss. And with me, as always... Hi, I'm pre-recorded. I mean, I'm tech. <laughs> and our hosts... Literally. Yes. <laughs> Jen. And Jason. From the Talk Nerdy Beam podcast. And while this could be any topic, this is a special... Intro to Ghibli episode, and we have changed our order because of the, oh, I can't remember the name of the film festival, but... Uh, the, it's a Ghibli Fest, isn't it? Is it Ghibli Fest? Okay, yeah. It, it, it's a fundraiser, actually, for a film institute, and um, they had Ponyo in theaters, and we actually were able to go see it all together and and on the big screen just last night. And it's also the 10th anniversary of Ponyo. Yes, it is the 10th anniversary of Ponyo. So instead of bringing you Only Yesterday, we are bringing you Ponyo, which I haven't seen Only Yesterday, but it's not a Miyazaki, so I'm assuming it's not as joyful as what Ponyo was. To be fair, I don't think it's any Sao Takahata either. No, but it is a Ghibli. Yeah, but it is a Ghibli. So that way, since it's not a South Takahata, that means no one is going to savagely die for some no, reason. No. So yeah, so going into this movie, I had uh, I had I had no idea what to expect going into Ponyo. I knew nothing of it, yeah. and my question was: So am I going to cry at the end like a normal Ghibli movie, or am I going to cry continuously through the whole thing like any South Takahata movie? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, Tech, tell us. Our 30-second summary. 30-second summary. What if Hans Christian Andersen told the story of The Little Mermaid to five-year-old me and asked me to tell it back to him as a love story? Yeah, that's that's pretty damn that's pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> or as I, a five-year-old. Or yeah. I would just say, take him with fish people. Take him with fish people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, we'll get there to that. There is a little bit of that. Um, so, uh... First reaction, so uh, Tech and I have never seen this before. Uh, we went in knowing pretty much nothing. I knew that everyone had told me it's Ghibli's take on The Little Mermaid. I had no idea what that would mean. Like, I was thinking more traditional Little Mermaid, and it wasn't. This is, this is to me, what Little Mermaid should have been. Tech? You know, I think when I think it was Princess Mononoke that we reviewed, and they said that when they converted it from cell shaded to computer animation, that they had used something like sixty five thousand individual colors. This movie, uh, you know, the, my first reaction as I'm watching it is that they used six colors, and five of them were blue. You know, the the, the movie was very blocky in its color scheme, with very flat colors, and at first it kind of pulled me out of it, but it works. 
it's a story about five-year-olds. So they use the limited palette to tell a, a simple-looking story, but they make up for it because they still use that rampant murder spree of, you know, the the... the <laughs> Their desire to kill animators by making them do glorious line work is still there with a blocky color scheme, and it works. Um, and then I fell in love with the rest of the movie. Yeah, the movie, like, in a word, is joy. And the thing is, they do use a limited color palette, mm-hmm. but it seems so much more vibrant because yeah. of the way it's animated and the way they use colors. Well, all right, so back during the days of... in the. Dark ages of 35 millimeter photos, you know, before uh, digital. Um, I would choose uh, Kodak over Fuji for my film because Fuji actually had more colors and Kodak had less colors. So everything would look brighter because there actually were less colors that it could pick up. Whereas Fuji was much more like real life. And so that's the it's, same thing. It's it, like it, photography football. Yes, inside photography baseball. Your first reactions, if you can remember oh. the first time you saw it. Yeah, you probably remember yours before me. Cause... Well, no, we saw this together. Diva's trying to tell us her first reactions. Yeah. No, but we actually saw Adam this. Jesus is not here. Please go home. <laughs> yeah, we, uh... my, my fir- we both saw this in theaters together. Um, I, was, I remember not being very excited about this movie before we went to go see it. Um... I had seen the trailer, and I loved Studio Ghibli by that time, but I was like, I'm not interested in this movie. After I had seen it, however, um, I was very taken by how happy Ponya was. Her personality was great. You know, comparing to Little Mermaid, she was very depressive. (laughs) Yeah. Ponyo was just excited about everything and excited about life. Especially ham. Like, Especially ham. You know, if you're going to be excited about something, and it, let it be a pork product. <laughs> ham, you name it. It's As long as it's a pork product. So the, the whole her being, say, five years old, we don't actually know how old she really is, but her take on life is how everybody's take should be. Yeah. Like, life is great. Ham is great. You know, it just... It's how everything should be. You know, play, have fun, live life to the fullest, nap. Yeah. And she, na- she, and, she, and she drops. Her naps are, I'm tired, plop. <laughs> We've all been there. Oh, absolutely. Especially at five. Yeah. So, my first reaction to this is because I listened to a bunch of podcasts and anime review podcasts, and people have seen it and actually saw it when it launched in Japan, and they... Trounced this movie. They really. They felt that this was Miyazaki at his most esoteric and wild, because it's not as it's nowhere near grounded like Mononoke. Even Spirit Away, for as fanciful as it was, is very grounded in the Shinto religion. It's very grounded in his ideals of environmentalism and stuff like that. This thing is all over the place. It's like he infused himself with Bob Ross. He's like, okay, happy fish, happy fish. <laughs> no mistakes, no mistakes. We got that ham, let's go. And he's just... Because how, Howell's moving castle made a lot of sense. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> and he's just happy. You can tell he was having a blast doing this movie. And again, Miyazaki's trademark. He's got great female characters in this movie. Matter of fact, I think this is his biggest cast of female characters, if you include... 
the old ladies. Oh yeah, and the mother and everything like that. Because there's only what three guys in the entire movie. There's the dad, Liam Neeson. Oh yeah, yeah. And Suska, yeah. yeah, and then there's well, there's yeah, the captain and, and a couple. And then there's Matt Damon for like two yeah. seconds. <laughs> but that's that's the dad. <laughs> yeah. Matt Damon's the dad, but he he's got like three lines in the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. everybody else, it's ladies. I mean, and by the way, love you, Betty White. Do more stuff. It's fine. Like you want to do more Julie voices. It's fine. Go ahead. I'll take it. Uh, that that brings us into uh, the voice cast. I watched the special feature on your Blu-ray about the voice actors. And Betty White was the funniest interview. And she's like, voice acting is like cheating. Because you don't have to put on false eyelashes. You don't have to put on nice pants. You don't have to wear makeup. And all the words are right in front of you. So you don't even have to memorize everything. And you just do every line one at a time. And you do as many as you want. It's cheating. I was like, oh my God, I love you, Betty White. Um, Again, Betty White. You can do no wrong. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they had Cloris Leachman, who she was in House. She was in House, right? Um, she was the 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 witch, I think, in House. Ways. Yeah. And um, they they had so many great people in this. I think Liam Neeson being the father, Ponyo's father, was such a great voice, and we had no idea that the Taken series started with Ponyo because it's all about his daughter. His daughter disappearing and him trying to get her back and being a little grumpy about it. But (laughs) the whole time you're expecting him to, as the king of the seas, I have a very particular set of skills. I will find you. You you keep expecting to find out that he's like evil or something because she's a really overprotective dad. dad. Exactly. He's King Triton. I I don't know the, like, because I know there's a lot of Japanese mythology that got thrown into this story, you know, the mm. goddess of mercy and him, you know, a person who fell in love with the goddess of mercy and became king of the oceans. But they, they said his name once in the entire movie. His name was Fujimoto. Yeah. But I don't know that story it at may, all. It may have just been, um, it, I, it may have been just been his name. Because remember, he says in the, the movie that he used to be human. Right, right, right. right. So that could have been just his human name. Right. And Because, I mean, for the most part, he's King Triton, right? He's, right. he's the king of the sea, so... Um, I think that's what Neptune, that is. Triton, same guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Mind you, he's probably David Boy's cousin with that outfit and that hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah him and him and Howell go to the same tailor, right? Yes, it's David Bowie's personal tailor. They're getting it out of his closet. And he gets he gets makeup advice from Jim and the Holograms. <laughs> yeah, that was a total Jim and the Holograms thing. I mean, it's and the thing about this though is that like this is such a simple story. Mm-hmm. Like it's absolutely simple. Fish girl wants to be human. She well, fish girl gets curious, not necessarily wanting to be human. She's just curious. Runs into Sasuke. He treats her nice, even if she is a fish with a face. The, and she falls in love with him because she licked his blood and ate ham. The one, th- <laughs> the one thing I've noticed uh, from all of these movies is the um, their casting. Whoever casts these people, the the young ladies that they have as their lead girls in all of these Ghibli movies have done. Fantastic jobs, whether it was you know Kirsten Dunst and Kiki or all the others, but this was uh, Ponyo was played by Noah Cyrus, which is uh, Miley is Noah Cyrus. Yeah, yeah Miley's M- little sister. Miley's little sister did a really good job. Yeah, I mean it's really hard to play. You know, I want you to be super excited about ham. <laughs> it's, it's funny. So that- I've got a theory about this ham thing, right? Uh, 
So we know that Miyazaki probably doesn't eat all the time, right? Because he's busy. <laughs> and so at one point, yeah, no, 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 that's what I'm going to say. So at one point, somebody was like, you need to eat. Here's a ham sandwich. <laughs> well, you know, he's still drawing because he, he draws in the calves. He draws while he's eating, whatever. And he bites this ham sandwich and goes, ham. And it just... Ham! <laughs> it powers him up. Like, it just... I, I think that just kind of just transcribed into Ponyo. That's why... Like putting fresh batteries into Astro Boy. He's yeah. like all suited up and... Now you got me thinking of Miyazaki with machine guns in his butt. And a door on his chest with a little battery compartment in it, right? That's, that, yo, that's why this animation hasn't killed him yet. Because he's not human. He's a robot. Because seriously... How else in the world do you animate this and not end up crippled by carpal tunnel? Oh yeah, because so we've we've discovered it. You've heard it here first on the Internet Ghibli <laughs> podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We have discovered that Hayao Miyazaki is Astro Boy. Yes, because <laughs> I mean, every scene something is moving. Something is 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 like. The underwater scenes alone, there's hundreds of fish and squid and jellyfish, and all the little ponyos have these like flutter, like, like they're not flippers, they call them flippers, but it's like they have like a little sundress on, mm-hmm. and every bit of it is moving. Rippling. Yeah. And then the scene where they're trawling the, the shoreline to get up the trash and stuff, mm-hmm. all that trash was moving, all the dirt and dust was moving. I mean, just he has to have a Junkyard full of dead animators after this thing. Like they, he's a, he's he's collecting souls, man. Especially the scenes with the um, uh, when the ocean is angry and sends the typhoon. Yes, and he's morphing from waves to, to fish. fish. So to fish. Waves all of those scenes, uh, Miyazaki drew the water himself. See, he's the dead animator, wow. <laughs> or should be dead animator. By the way, is. It, is that stunting? Like, is he like, let me show you how it's done. Like, yeah, like, like seriously. Rolls up his sleeves, puts on, like, the, the Daniel Sun uh, Karate Kid Rising Sun bandana. And, and he was experimenting, trying to make it as expressive as possible, and John Lasseter said that he had never seen water so animated beautifully before. Like, that's because, that is the best. That's because Miyazaki has the talent of a god, and everybody, I'm pretty sure all the other animators are like, they just, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. Yeah. Um, and the opening 12 seconds involving vast schools of fish and undersea creatures required 1,613 pages of conceptual sketches to, ve- to develop it. I want to know how many species were in there. I do not have the patience to be an animator. <laughs> no, me neither. I'm an artist. I never... When, when I was growing up, people would say... Um, you know, you should get into animation. And I was like, are you kidding me? I don't even want to do comic books because I have to keep drawing the same thing over uh, and over and again. The thing is, and that's the, that's the, the thing about it because that's what you can tell like, with, with most modern anime. They will do the main art, the big mm-hmm. actual storyboard panels and that. They'll do that and they'll send those to contracted out companies. They'll outsource do, it. <laughs> in between. Yep. And that's why you'll see such a degrade in quality. Whereas you don't get that with Miyazaki, because again, Miyazaki's murdering his animators because he's like, yo, those aren't going anywhere. So all those thousands upon thousands of in-between images, you're doing them. So you're doing that wave, and it's only moving just this minute amount. 
because the more in-between animation cells you have, the smoother and better that animation looks, which is why Akira still has one of the most breathtaking openings on the planet, because just the opening alone took over 100,000 cells. Like, There's a, um, a guy that has a YouTube channel. Uh, goes with, uh, his name is uh, Frederick Knutson. He does a series called yes. Down the Rabbit Hole. He did a two-parter on the history of anime. It's wonderful. And he's talking about you know the, 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 the very early origins of where the anime style comes from. And it comes from traveling puppet shows where the puppets were uh, drawn figures on little sticks. And they, they had two sides, one for like an excited reaction and one for like a neutral reaction. So the reason why uh, anime doesn't have, you know, why, why combat scenes, you know, they, they make jokes about it and all the things, but the, the combat scenes is the character striking a pose with just a flashing background in the background. And then we see the, the aftermath is that one, uh, it's cheaper to animate and, you know, they were on a budget and they were trying to compete with, you know, Disney in the, the, the early days of, of animation but they didn't have the budget to do the big animated movies that Disney was doing. And the other thing is that it really didn't matter to Japanese audiences that they didn't have a lot of animation because it wasn't culturally where they were from. They were used to watching these static puppet shows and having the static puppet shows on TV appealed to the audience. And that's why, you know, if you look at the early stuff like Speed, um, Racer. Speed Racer... Why it, ah, I move so fast. Ha 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 It's like the it's like the animated William Shatner. <laughs> so, you know, Ghibli is you know, trying to be Disney and trying to bring that big budget I know this is like super probably controversial, but when it comes to hand drawn animation, I think Ghibli wins. I think if it was I agree. If it wasn't for Lasseter and Pixar Disney be kind of sunk when it comes to the animated right. stuff because they because they they lost their way in the eighties and nineties. But if you compare anything Miyazaki has done to Fantasia, yeah, I mean you'd have to go. You're gonna you'd, like, you have to go back to the thirties and forties. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna have to go with Fantasia, and then you'll have to go find like Mononoke with him or Spirited Away because. That's what he and the thing is, they inspired that. They made their own enemy. Like yeah. he saw that and says, you know what? That's what I'm gonna do. Him and Osama Tezuka. Um, I have a book behind me, which is the it's called Osama Tezuka, the God of Manga, because this dude was prolific. Like Osama Tezuka would he would be writing like she talks about Miyazaki doing it. He would ride in taxis. He would take planes to go to France to do. Um, networking and get money for production but the whole time he's like I'll spend 15 minutes talking to these guests then I'll go upstairs draw some panels yep. come back downstairs smooth a little bit go back upstairs do some panels oh by the way this assistant is only here with me until I finish these seven panels I give them back to them they fly home and take these to the to the to the production and it's that type of drive that drove Osama Tezuka and Miyazaki and Isao Takahata because they saw what Disney was doing and they wanted to do it well and I was reading in the trivia that it wasn't Hans Christian Andersen's Little Mermaid that inspired this. Miyazaki saw Disney's The Little Mermaid and said, I want to do something like that. And he said that Miyazaki said that, that at uh, Comic-Con in 2009 that it is Disney that inspired him to do this, which is really funny because then Disney is like, oh, now you're inspiring us to yeah. do other things. It's a whole round robin of inspiration, which I love. One of the things that I loved about this movie is there are three distinct art styles, and that's not even counting the credits because that would be like a fourth. Um... You've got very impressionistic looking uh, pastels, 
when when you're looking at like the landscapes, like when you see the seagrass moving and you're looking up at at the kid's house, or when you're looking at the the house on the cliff uh, from the ocean view itself. Yeah, it's kind of like exactly. Yeah, it's it, it, it's like an impressionistic painting. And then when the water is moving, it's very line art. It's very much like the woodblock prints, which I read in the trivia. I was right. It was directly <laughs> inspired from those woodblock prints. Um, and um, and then you've got which I'm going to say is the more Totoro cartoony look of the actual figures. But even then, like the uh, anim- animation and the movement is even better than Totoro, I which mean, is just, just, pretty I impressive. Mean, just Ponyo when she's running on the waves alone. Oh my God, that's amazing. <clears throat> like it's, it, by the way, if you could, if a little five-year-old girl could run on waves, this is what it would look that's like. That's exactly I, what it would look I like, can. yeah. Arms outstretched. Yeah. Feet windmilling. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I still feel like Miyazaki's creepily watching somebody's kids because he gets how well, to animate he, children. He was watching his own son for a little techie in there. Yeah. Like, they, it, it's like, based on his son when his son was five. Yeah. Goro Miyazaki. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is that the music. In this, ah, uh, Joe Hirashi was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, some of the best music that we've heard we in just, a Miyazaki film just, so far. Can we just put it right now at the pinnacle? You've got three of the the greatest soundtrack composers: mm-hmm. Joe Hasashi, John Williams, and Hans Zimmer. Okay, the, those. That's it. Like, if you want, if you want the pinnacle of that craft. Those are your three. Notice he didn't say Danny Elfman. No. no. <laughs> oh, you mean the guy who does the same thing every time? Yeah. That's the guy. <laughs> I like Danny Elfman. Uncle Boy goes awesome and everything, but he he's no the, John Williams. Yeah, he uses the same... He basically uses the same thing. Yeah. Like, so, literally the same thing. I love the, I love the soundtrack in this movie, and to me, the hallmark of a good soundtrack is when you don't remember any of the yeah. songs. The, the music is supposed to be an emotional component of what you're seeing on screen, and if you're remember, remembering individual tracks, I don't think... But it does work, you know. Guys like John Williams, you know, we all know the themes to Star Wars and yeah. all of that. It, it's it's a when you're doing soundtrack work, it should be about adding something to the scenes, not taking away. Yeah. And there's one song in this movie that that kind of annoyed me, and it's during the typhoon. It's that when uh, when Ponyo is running on the waves, Joe uh, did a sound-alike cover of Wagner's Ride of the Valkyries. Ah. But it's not Ride of the Valkyries, but it's close enough that I just keep expecting it. You know, that scene from uh, Apocalypse Now where they're surfing (laughs) in a firefight. You keep expecting that song to play, but it's not. It's just, it's too close. I'm actually not familiar with um, this opera, but Wagner's During des Nibirlian. The Ring des Nebelungen. Yes. Nebelungen. Yeah, is an, uh, a Wagner um, opera that this film has a lot of references to, yeah, including I mean, Ponyo's original name, Brumhilda. Yeah, and the opening, I mean, the opening song itself um, during the credits is operatic. It's, yeah. um, mm-hmm. And during the ocean scenes and all that good stuff. Um, I just... Oh, and that is the uh, opera that... Ride of the Valkyries comes from, and they were specifically doing that. Yeah, they were. So they were very, very much a, a tip of the hat yeah. to that. It was. A, it was. It sounded like a, you know, like um, like a, the, the the royalty free yeah. version of Ride of the Valkyries <laughs> that you put yeah, in yeah. your cheap movie project. Um, but yeah, no, like, and they were specifically trying to do that, which was really great. Um, 
the the key for good score for me, and this won awards for that, by the way, um, for the, its score, and it's the first Miyazaki movie to win anything for score, is when music can build emotion up in you, and this definitely did that. I was I was feeling emotion. So um, let's talk a little bit about the plot. Let's talk. So okay. so uh, you know. It's a it, it's a story about finding true love and the, mm-hmm. the the consequences thereof, and it's all about Ponyo finding true love, and you know that's this is the story of the Little Mermaid. It's also except that it's done with five year olds. Yes, and, and also the the Disney's Little Mermaid. Ariel's not a necessarily strong character. She's not. She's very dependent, and she's very she's willful, willful, but she's very. Like everything has to be with him. Like it has to. It has to go here. Yeah, she's and a little too um, one track mind. Yes. Yeah, she tunnels. Yeah. Whereas Ponyo is like she's experiencing everything for the first time, and she loves everything. Yeah. And Especially her, him. And, and but her love for him is because he doesn't care that she's magical. Hell, he doesn't care that she's a fish woman. Yeah. He's just like, dude, I got a friend. Like this yeah. is awesome. And he doesn't. He. Even when, you know, she's just a fish in a bucket. Yeah. He's still just as happy. Yeah. Because it's his friend, the fish, Ponyo. And anytime, yeah. anytime he thinks that she's um, he gets not doing upset. well, like, he starts crying. And he's trying to, he wants to make her better. Like, yeah. he thinks he needs to get her more water. Yeah. He takes care of her. And that's, that's why I love how this culminates with, the, with the, their test. Yeah. And it's literally just a test to see if he's willing to protect her and take care of her, which he's been doing the entire time. Movie. Yeah, yeah. And so it starts where he he meets Ponyo. She's stuck in um, a, 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 a glass jar. jar. Yeah, a mason jar. And so he breaks her out of it. He cuts himself. She licks his finger. It gets better. And then he takes care of her as a fish. Then he loses her because, because dad comes and gets her. I found you. Yes, because <laughs> he has a certain set of special set of skills. Oh. <laughs> Can we just say how awesome the magic is in this? Like... Oh, yeah. How he just takes a ball of water and turns it into these, like, minion waves? Yeah. The, the animation of the, like, the, how the different spheres of water had different densities and they had different surface tensions and how they would, there's the one where she's trying to grow and he's trying to contain her by squeezing her with his hands and then he tries to push her back into the bubble and you can see everything ripple and deform around his hand as he pushes against this like big water balloon. How they drew the, the different tensions was R. amazing. R.I.P. Tanaka and uh, Motozuki, they both, they're both dead. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're dead now. Those <laughs> dead animators right there. So he loses her and then she is so willful because she, she, she's a, she loves the human world, she loves him and she wants to come back, and, and so she makes herself human. And he's absolutely heartbroken. Like he yeah. is torn to pieces. The only time you see him because he wants to protect her. Yes, and he and he tells his mom he's like he's like he nearly drowns himself trying to find her because yeah. he thinks that because he had the bucket in the water and the waves got the bucket that she yeah. fell out of the bucket and was taken by the waves and he's looking for her and, and she's th- going to be lost she's got nobody to take care of her he doesn't know her dad came for her yeah and then the mom comes and gets him and he's just bawling bawling and it's and it's and again he's watching his kid like this is how a 5 year old cries he's clutching his mom bawling his eyes out mm-hmm. 
so right away when we met this little boy, uh, we all agreed this was Lil Techie. There was a he looks like Lil Techie. He acts like Lil Techie. Uh, oh, do you want to come play Lil Techie? Yes. No, I'm busy. You're not busy. You're, You're five. five. Yes, I am. And I have, I have a, a job. job. Oh, it's so that good. It's so Lil Techie. Yeah. Um, so, uh... And that's what I love about this movie. It's that... Well, one, we know Miyazaki understands children, but how did he know me at five years old? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, he keeps I, putting you in the, his movies. You've got to ask for royalties, bro. He's, he's watching your life. What he's, I, what, he's, a time, he's a time lord. He's watching you throughout the ages. What I love about this movie is the... It goes back to the art style. and it's This is a story told from Sosuke's perspective. Like I have, I, I, I can imagine Sosuke being, uh, being an older man telling this story to his kids because this is how he remembered it when he was five. But things like the mom's crazy driving and drifting that car around the corner until you see the suspension springs and the waves crashing over the road and her playing chicken with that boat going into the dry dock as she crosses. Did you notice that they had act wave funk physics? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Because when the wave... Remember, oh, because it sucked out that yes. made the road dry and then she... Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, the the his house being up on that perilous cliff and everything is, like, super steep and tall and everything is a challenge. That's what it's like when you're five. <laughs> and that's what... When your mom is late for work and she's driving you to work and at one point, like, you see her driving recklessly and you see the speedometer of the car is pegged at 60 kilometers an hour. That's less than, that's what, 25 miles an hour? She's not, she's not going fast, but, but it feels like she's a, a member of the cast of Initial D as she's yeah. driving down this mountain road. The coastal drifter. Absolutely. But no, and it's like, probably, again, the D, like, we talked about this on several of the other movies for this, but the detail that they pay attention to in this movie is breaking like it is if I mean by breaking is these and I want to know how many times he told them no that's wrong like no we need this we need this it has to move it has mm. to do this like because you, you I mean, only drew eight scales yeah, on the if, side of the yeah. fish if I, I need had nine. a nickel for every time Miyazaki sent somebody back with corrections I would be richer than Bill Gates let me just say that yeah, okay I mean, I mean <laughs> just in the scenes alone where like where, and I love the, how they go in and out of the fantasy because only the old people and the kids can see them for the actual magical yeah. spirits they are. The mom just thinks the wave is coming in and she has to outrace it to get home. But how many old people have the mentality of a child? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And like she's like, man, this wave is really after us. And he's like, oh my god, there's a girl on the wave. <laughs> yeah. They're fish. <laughs> and like. I love it when he takes Ponyo to the old folks' home the first time. Yeah. And the one lady's like, oh my god, it's got a face. We're going to die. It's a t- tsunami. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And he goes, "You and, and they say this early in the film that you shouldn't judge people by how they look. Yep. And Ponyo sprays this old lady in the face because she's judging Ponyo. And he goes, you shouldn't judge people. Like yeah. Every time she does it, he just goes, you shouldn't judge people. Yep. Uh, so, so... Ponya comes back, she wants to find him, and in doing so, she creates this flooding uh, storm. Yeah, she creates an upheaval in reality because yeah. she lets loose all this life force. Yeah. 
and start. She basically brings back a like Jurassic era of the sea. Yeah, she brings back all of these ancient fish. The moon is coming closer. Yeah, and, and is pulling the tides higher. And every all the humans are now living in boats. Yeah, because their entire town, this island community, is now flooded. flooded. And Liam Neeson's losing it. He's like. I gotta get her mom. Oh my god, she doesn't know what she's doing. She's, oh, she's her whole reality. Oh god. Yeah. And, um, so, uh, the, the boy's mom ends up leaving the five-year-olds at the house because she's got to go to the old folks' home because she realizes that they haven't evacuated Now, yet. this was something that you mentioned, Jason, yeah. before that, you know, or somebody, or was it you that mentioned, it, you know, that it is common in a Japanese household to leave a five-year-old behind and that, you know, they, 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 they they'll this let them is, go, they'll let them go to the them, store or to, take the bus yeah, yeah. or, and by themselves, they'll take the train yeah. to so, go to school. So that's, that's not that abnormal, which is why, you know, you look at it and you go, there's a typhoon outside, there's waves crashing over the over the road on the cliff that leads to their house, and mom abandons a five-year-old and his five-year-old girlfriend in the home alone to go um, help evacuate the old folks' home because of an incoming typhoon. Probably because the story is being told by a five-year-old. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> to a rational adult mind, it's probably nowhere near as bad as Sosuke <laughs> thinks it is. Yeah, actually... What's probably happened is he thinks they live forever away from the nursing home. It's probably just down the block. Like, <laughs> well, they could, well, when they saw the lights. Yeah, yeah. they can it's see it. The, 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 the nursing home was just on the other side of the harbor. Yeah. It's that they have to go down to the end of the harbor and around the dry dock and back up the other because coast. Because mom takes that route. She right. said she can, just take, she can just go over the mountain and get there. Right, take yeah. the mountain road, yeah. Yeah, that's what she did. So... Yeah. It's like what three blocks away. Well, Something I mean, like that, it's you know? it's if if you were to swim from one cliff to the other, uh, which they end up doing with the boat, it's less than a mile. You know, yeah. it's it's maybe half a she mile. Prob- and their their house Probably being on the coast, like that. you saw Sosuke go down to the shore yeah. where he finds Ponyo the first time and he puts her in the bucket. I guarantee you that they've got a boat. Yeah, yeah, and they can probably putter. Across the inlet. She can take the boat to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. the, 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 the nursing home itself also is on the cl- uh, the school yeah. and the nursing home. On the water. And also what gives you perspective on how probably close all this is, his school is right next to the nursing home. Yeah. He literally has a hole in the fence that he goes through to get to the nursing yeah. home mm-hmm. versus school. And the teacher's not even upset that he's not in class because you never see her react to it. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure kids just go back and forth all the time because kids, they're kids. They right. just do that. And the fact that I guarantee you that the teacher knows that his mom works, works at, the the old, at the nursing home next door and that yeah. he, he's going to go over there because it's he's going to go over there and he knows the old ladies and they're nice to him. And So, Jen, how different was it for you watching this now that you basically have Lisa's job? <laughs> so I had a different perspective on the older people. And their reactions and um, how they acted being out of their wheelchairs. How they acted, or the reactions to their origami. Like, that's legit. Their reactions were absolutely re- legit. Because there was, there, was there was two reactions there. There was the one, the, the sweet old lady. Betty they were White. like, oh yeah, Betty White. They, oh, this is wonderful. It's so beautiful. And they're very polite to Sosuke. And then you've got the curmudgeon, the grump. They're, what is Yes, is this a fish? I don't know what this is. Looks, this, like, a, yeah. looks like a looks like a hat. <laughs> it's my dad's ship. <laughs> See, look, he even put a little 
again, Miyazaki is, I'm telling you, he only had kids because he knew he could use them as, as source material for his animation because this isn't good origami. This isn't perfect origami. This is a kid. Yeah, this is a five-year-old's origami. And he even, to do his dad on the boat, he put a little piece of white paper that he taped to it that had a little face on it. Like, come on, old lady, just tell him it's great. And move on. Put it on the fridge. Yeah, but she's the curmudgeon. Right. So, and I'm sure you've got some of them at work. Oh, yeah. So, the, so the, the, my question <laughs> was, are, oh. are both uh, depictions accurate? Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. Except they weren't playing dominoes. Right. Yeah. Well, and the, there was only one problem, and that was when um, Lisa... Oh, the the hurricane's happening and the other worker's like, oh, Lisa, you, we're fine here. You should go home. Meanwhile, they, the power's they out. They totally be fine at work and if somebody suggests going yeah. home, no. no. No, no, you're not leaving. Yeah, the whole idea no. that nursing staff, that, that during a typhoon and a power failure, that nursing staff would willingly leave their patients. No. And this is what bothers me is that the, the whole thing is that she has to go home mm-hmm. to do what? They don't actually do anything urgent at home that required her to go home. The only thing thing was when... Yeah, go ahead. The only thing that they did when they got home was to signal her husband. Right. That was the main thing she was worried about. And she had to get Sasuke home. But this is a boating... Yeah, he would have been fine at the nursing home. Yeah. True. This is a boating community, meaning... Every building in that town has a CB radio yeah. and other means of communication with boats. The, the only thing yes. that <laughs> I can see, the only thing that I can see is she said, she said to uh, Sasuke, she said, um, you have to stay here because the reason she didn't take him with her to the because nursing home is you have to stay here and keep the lights on. The whole point that she wanted to get home was to turn on the generator, and they turned on every light in the house, right? So, so if everybody in the community could see. And my thing is, I think, and get their bearings. Remember, if you if you notice, we don't ever see a lighthouse. No, they're basically the lighthouse. Exactly. And I Somebody think that's actually what it called was. them a lighthouse. Yeah, boy. right. And I think that's what it is. But and you saw that next to the house, there was like it looked like a like a stone silo. Like there was like like a lighthouse building, but other than turning on that little overly animated way too complex of a My Honda 2K God. generator that you actually <laughs> see them move the throttle turn the choke pull the crank it doesn't work oh there's a clogged fuel line Ponyo uses magic. the magic to unclog the fuel line because it's liquid and she could control it but they animated the hand controls of a 2K generator accurately for time, a 30 second throwaway scene and every time Ponyo uses her magic she morphs slightly back to a fish in everything yeah, she about her. Yeah, she looks duck-like. Yeah. Yes, everything about her is moving. By the way, her hands go from yeah. five fingers to three, and yeah. she she has that squinty face and her eyes bug. Her when she uses her magic, her hair is up. Yep. And when she's tired, her hair flops down. And her hair is always yeah. moving. Yeah. And again, Miyazaki, that dude, when he dies, he's going to hell. He's good. He's going to have to face all those animators that he murdered. For these movies. It is so amazing. Um, I, I'm going to say that I just, I loved everything about this movie. I mean, I can't really think of anything to hate. There was that one glitch where the dad called her Ponyo before she asked to be called Ponyo, but that was a, a mistake in the in the English translation. Um, but I, I but, think they played it off a little well because he says that too. 
his yeah. his his wife, the, the goddess. No, of the no, no. Book. It's when he's talking to Ponyo and and she's back and and he says, Ponyo, you have to eat, blah blah blah. And then he calls her Brunhilda and she goes, No, I'm Ponyo. See, I thought you were talking about when um he's talking to the goddess yeah. mercy and she says, um, Ponyo's eating ham or whatever. Yeah. And she goes, and she goes, Ponyo. Yeah, as soon as Ponyo tells him I'm Ponyo, he just he stops calling her Brunhilda. He only called him Brunhilda one other time. Yeah, and yeah. I like and I, I think I like that because I, feel I love like, that. I feel like he necessarily doesn't want her to go. Yeah, but in his brain and kind of in his heart, he's kind of accepted the fact that she's growing up because he even says. You know, I introduced you to magic he too early. He yeah. accepted that she wanted to be who she wanted to be. A name change, he's fine with. She wants to be Ponyo instead of Brunhilda. Fine. You're I Ponyo. Too, I can accept that. That's how, what's what he could accept. But to let her off into the world, he was not okay with. Well, and he even said, it's too early. Which means he always knew that she was going to leave. But he's having a hard time accepting it, like many parents do. Yeah. Well, Jen, you bring up a good point, and I'm going to draw a weird parallel. Mm-hmm. That this reminds me of that the the uh, the, the acceptance of the father mm-hmm. reminds me of Fiddler on the Roof. Yes, that there's yeah. a lot. Of, right, that there's, <laughs> there's a lot of thing from his daughters that he's willing to mm-hmm. accept, and he's willing to accept her loving this guy, and he's willing to accept. She made his, the pledge, and he's willing to accept other things from his other daughters. But when the one is about to turn her back on her faith. That's the yeah. bridge he can't cross. That's yeah. the thing he yeah. can. Know. So you no. want to? You want exactly? You want to change your name to Ponyo? Fine. You want to love a human and be human? No. 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 The, and that's you know that's the where the you know father's love and father's acceptance and all, but he has a limit. And, yeah. and you know what? Going with that comparison, when he's talking to her and he's trying to compress her and get her back to being a little fish girl, he's like, "You didn't drink human blood, did you? You didn't drink human blood, did you?" She goes, ham! And he's like, you ate ham! And like, he's like, and it's kind of like, you went out into that world, you, you started dancing and listening to music and, when, oh when, God! When they first started going, you haven't drank human blood, have you? I'm like, she's not a vampire. <laughs> she didn't try to bite anybody, so why would human blood be, a, be an assumption? They didn't explain it until later in the movie that she could turn human because of it. Yeah. Right. Um, because he was human. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way. Because wo- he was human. And then, like, it was just a by chance that him saving her from the glass jar pricked his finger. Is, is why there was yeah. even any chance of her tasting blood at yeah. any point. And so, for all of you listening here for a moment, it's about to get a little risque. Oh, no. Because if you've seen this. We're talking about a G rated movie. I know. If oh, you've okay. seen The Shape of Water. Uh, no, I already had that thought, but I think there's opposites, so it doesn't work. But in the shape of water, because um, what happens when Ponyo licks his finger at the drop of blood, it heals it. Mm-hmm. And in the and in the shape of water, because Guillermo del Toro is a big anime fan and a Japanese, he's basically an otaku. Um, he used that in a little bit in Shape of Water because a character gets injured and the fish man touches him. And heals the wound. And in I was, fact, I, I totally had an ET thought with that one. And in fact, he even helps this man start growing his hair back. Mm-hmm. Like so, the rejuvenation of the sea people. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, you know, there's a little yeah, it's there. Because again, Gimbal does roll those anime. So he. So, do you know that there is an ET connection with Ponyo, the English version? It's the woman that worked on ET is the one who wrote the English translation, and she's the one that helped with all the casting. Really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so there is an E.T. connection. 
I forget her name. I can look it up if you need, but you wouldn't know the name. She um, she worked on the E.T. script, and she did the translation, and she helped with the casting. Uh, Melissa Matheson. So... The writer of E.T. So is anybody yeah. here upset that Disney's bought the distribution rights for Ghibli stuff? Hang on. Uh, and by the way, she did the translation in four days, which is why there's that one little mistake. Um, yeah, that's brutal. I am not upset. I am actually very happy that Disney has the redistribution rights because they have the power behind them. And because it's all because of John Lasseter. And John Lasseter is the founder of Pixar. And he... Before Pixar even started, we, was going with the can Ghibli. We, can we? And without him, we wouldn't have all these Ghibli dubs. Can we just say he's the most bamf dude at Disney? Because yeah. he was a Disney key animator. Yep. And they fired him. Yep. He said, you know what? F you guys. Yep. I'm going to make my own company. And guess what? We're outdoing you, Disney. Yep. And Come so Disney bought the map. Yeah. John Lasseter. Bringing Ghibli to Disney is a wonderful thing. And the thing that I really enjoy about it is that Miyazaki is involved in the process when it gets translated. And so his work doesn't get distorted. Dude, it's there's a documentary that was on Netflix and it's about Studio Ghibli. Mm-hmm. And John Lasseter is in it because what happens is when Disney made the merger and got Ghibli, he comes to America the first thing they do is John Lasseter, he's, he's that dude. He's the liaison. He's mm-hmm. taking him around, showing him stuff, talking to him, has their translators, because it's, it's Ghibli, um, the producer guy. Um, it's not Takahata, because they don't let him out of his cage, except like every six years. Um, and it's the one producer guy. I can't remember his name. I used to know it. Um, but he's, is that like when he has to go for a palm far or something? Basically, because yeah, whenever Miyazaki's tired and he has to regenerate his juices and power, they let Takahata out of his box. And See, he's been... I always thought it was because, you know, he puts out that one sad movie and it makes the rest of the Ghibli movies look very happy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's the yin and yang thing yeah. that, that Jason yeah. was talking about last night. But dude, it's, but it is, man. Like, they both are, they're both environmentalists. They both have these ideas and concepts about preserving nature and not disturbing stuff because they're both very Shinto. Like, they're both super into that. Except Takahata, he's the dude with the spiked hammer cracking your skull open, whereas Ghibli, or, or Miyazaki, is like, I'm just, I'm just coax you into it. I'm going to show you. You're going to feel great about my message. Takahata's like, nah, fam. I want them to feel my pain. I want them to understand the gravity of their mistakes. Oh, you want to watch? But I will give you this. Takahata's probably made the best slice of life film. We haven't got there yet. No. But we will. We've only done Miyazaki at this point. With, with My Neighbors the Yamadas, we'll get to it, and it's okay. great. But, so, um, there are a couple touchstones mm-hmm. that are in every Ghibli movie. And one of them is flying. And this movie is all about water. And it's all about the sea town. So it's like, oh, was flying in there? But there was. And it was the cranes. Did you guys notice mm-hmm. the animation of the cranes? Mm-hmm. And that, that got that joy of flying thing that is in every movie. But he also has those, those large, like, sweeping vistas. Mm-hmm. He had those, but it was of the sea. And specifically yeah. the scene where, there, where Sasuke's dad's boat is coming up. And they're like... Did that typhoon wash us to China? What what city is that? We need to get our bearings. And his dad goes, "That's not a city." 
Those are all Those are the ships. Boats. Yeah, and that's yeah. not a mountain. That's, that's water. That's water. Yeah. And it's it's that type of stuff that is trademarked. Yeah. And the other thing that is trademarked Miyazaki is his message of environmentalism. Mm-hmm. And it is heavy-handed at the beginning of this movie this about how... The sea like they're dark, black, empty souls. <laughs> exactly. And there is just trash everywhere. You see the fish trawler, and it's picking up more garbage than it's picking up fish. And, yeah. And then there's the message of peace. I mean, there's definitely a peaceful message. There's the don't judge people by co- their covers. Um, the test for Sasuke is... Will you love Ponyo for who she is, knowing that she's a fish and knowing that she lives between two worlds? And he says, I love all the Ponyos. It's a big responsibility, but it's worth it. By the way, we haven't talked about this, but Ponyo's sisters are Uh, amazing force in this. Liam Neeson's character, The King of the Sea. Using his special set of skills, uses his goons to lift him up, to spy on them, and Ponyo's sisters go, oh no you don't, Dad. And start tickling them. And they them. start tickling his goons. By, 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 by biting at the water down at the bottom. And when, when Ponyo wants to get out of her bubble, they all go and they're biting at the bubble to so get her pops. out. Oh so, my gosh. So we, t- we talked very briefly about the music, but yeah. the sound work, the foley oh, in the this foley. movie is fantastic. And one of my favorite sounds in that movie is those water goons. That the, yeah. the, the, the that grumpy noise that they make. As they move, I love that noise. They're so, They're so cool. The That's, foley in this is... I am not worthy. Dude, I am bowing down. Again, it's... I th- and again, this is where Ghibli is better than Disney, man. Because if you watch the special features for Spirited Away, they use special cameras, and they actually took that Audi, the, 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 yep. the, the animated, and recorded it running over cobblestone. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what an Audi sounds like, running over cobblestone. Mm-hmm. And it's... Amazing. Like, that's the type of detail they're going. And I'm, again, Miyazaki, man. When that Audi, when that Audi reaches the tunnel and they walk through the tunnel, it was the very same tunnel that Sosuke and Ponyo yes. walk through at the top of the mountain just before they find his mother's car. Yeah. And by the way, the scene with the tickling of the goons mm-hmm. has my favorite line in that whole movie. Because Liam Neeson's like, what? Ah, ah. And he he goes, ah, respect your father, as they collapse the goons. And it's the best line of the Girls, what are you doing? No, respect your father. I love that. I love that. So movie. other touchstones to other movies, when the mom starts singing the cheery song, you know, we're as happy as can be. She's singing it to the tune of Totoro. Mm-hmm. Um, the old ladies, one of them looks like the Witch of the Waste from House, and, and the other two, two are, are, the, are the grandma from Kiki who makes yep. that terrible fish pie cake. And I'm pretty sure that Sosuke is the younger version of the boy in Totoro. And they talk about, um, matter of fact, there's a fan theory that Ponyo and Sasuke are actually grown up adults in another Ghibli film. Oh. I can't remember which one it was because I haven't read that fan I did read that Miyazaki wanted to do a sequel, but uh, Takahata convinced him, no, 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 instead of doing a sequel, do the Wind Ri- an adaptation of The Wind Rises, which is a movie that by the way, tech is looking forward to. By the way, that is some sub- subliminal manipulation from Takahata because he knows Miyazaki's obsession with flying. Because Miyazaki as a kid, his family, yeah. they ran a... a a fighter plane factory where they made parts for Japanese fighter planes. Mm-hmm. So he loves flying. He just absolutely loves it. So Takahata's like, look, man, you can work on the wind rises. Just let me out of my cage, dog. Just let me out 
let me out. I, I, just, I just wanna make a movie, man. I'll make the tale of the bamboo cutter dog, Japanese folklore, baby. I'll just make this movie. And, and Miyazaki's like, yeah, yeah, that'll, that'll work. Yeah, let him out. And then he makes Kaguya and everyone's crying. And Miyazaki's like, damn it. I, you did it again. Hold on, I got another one. It's a story of two young brothers. It'll be fine. It's a heartwarming family piece. Okay, okay that sounds good. Go ahead, Grave of the Fireflies. Ha ha ha. <laughs> it's, it's, again, it's, it's like clockwork. Isao Takahata only makes one movie every six or seven years. They're great. But, whew, babe. So, do we have any negative points on Ponyo? Yeah, I have a couple. Okay. Uh, plot related. Um, the the well mm-hmm. in the basement of uh, the uh, the Sea Lord's castle with the bad door hmm? with the bad door yeah th- that was just that was clunky when, when he goes down into the basement he's like oh I'm totally going to have to fix Chekhov's door here because it's not sealing right why would you bother mentioning that if you're oh 30 seconds later the door sticks open <laughs> but, and then Ponyo goes into the room and then he goes into the well and he's pouring the stuff down the wall gee I sure hope no one ever comes in this room if a living thing came in this room it would be the end of all things and the dad you, narrates everything because he's was, like I have to keep the balance. But mind you, he was planning his own coup d'etat, man. Because he says, once I fill this up, it'll be the ocean and the sea people's turn to be ruler, to rule the earth. Mm. But it was, it was very clunky yeah. in, in how that was um, delivered. And that and is a dropped plot line because even Ponyo says, my dad hates humans. Yeah. He hates humans. And Liam Neeson's character was planning to basically take over the world using his magic. Yeah, because Ponyo says that he's an evil wizard, and is your dad an evil wizard too? Yeah, I kept (laughs) waiting for him to turn out to be like this evil monster or whatever. And so, like when the old lady at the end is like, "Oh, he tricked everybody," and I was like, "Oh, maybe he did." By the way, I love that line of dialogue from her because she's like, "Sasuke, don't go to him. He tricked them. He drowned them in the sea." (laughs) Like. She's so doom and gloom. It's great. I love her. Any other negatives? Um, I feel this movie is a little long. Like, it's an hour and 55 minutes for a kid's movie. Was it? Yes. I didn't even feel that way to me. Um, I didn't feel that It's an hour and 55 minutes, man. Did you feel that? Uh, there were some scenes that I felt dragged, but they were, you know, things like the typhoon. Mm-hmm. That you could have edited about half of it out and still gotten all of the emotional effect that you wanted it and saved, saved, a couple a of saved a couple of animators' lives because it was... Why would we bother like, saving uh, lives? Like, Ponyo, Ponyo running on the waves felt a little bit like Star Trek the motion picture when you're watching V'ger fly by for ten minutes of... And it yeah, just but goes it's so on. much more enjoyable. Yeah, it, it, is, it, is, it is. And yeah, it is. It's it no is. lens flare. No, so it is an enjoyable movie. Yeah. Uh, I I have no problems there. Uh, a couple of the scenes tend to, like the intro was a little slow. Mm-hmm. They it, could they could have probably knocked this down to an hour forty, an hour forty five, and, and made I mean, it tighter. And also, like the opening sequence is just to explain Ponyo's curiosity, where she gets on the she sneaks out, gets on the jellyfish, uses the other jellyfish as a blanket, and in the sunlight takes a nap and right. drifts off to sea to get to the shore, like. Don't get me wrong, that's, in a, that's a wonderful establishing shot, and it's beautifully animated, but we don't need, what, almost five minutes of that? Like, she could have just swam. Yeah. Like, all we had was her leaving her little coral nest with her sisters, and she leaves, cut, 
Next scene, trawling boat. Yeah. And she yeah. gets stuck in the jar, and the movie would have been just the same. Yeah, it's, but he, he, Miyazaki's like, no, nah, man, I'm going to show you how beautiful we draw. Get back to work! Shh. Ratings? Yeah, let's, let's, let's do some ratings. Who's first? You. I was going to rate this... I was going to give this a 9 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Because let's go back to my hallmarks. Of of how I've rated all these other movies. Oh wait, hold on, hold on. For anybody who's catching up, give a quick rundown of this of the. Of the oh oh yes. yes, okay. So of our scoring system, so I don't get shot again. <laughs> anyone who hasn't listened to the explanation of our scoring system: zero horrifying, one dreadful, two tedious, three boring, four mediocre. Five is average. Six solid. Seven exceptional. Eight dazzling, nine penultimate, and ten is sublime. Okay. So when I gave Mononoke a three out of ten and it was nearly lynched by a crowd of fans at Balticon. A thirteen year old petite teenager. Right, a very angry one. Mm-hmm. And her mother. <laughs> for giving this a three out for giving Mononoke a three out of ten, understand that I give this a nine out of ten. Yeah. I loved everything about this movie. With a couple of things. One, I thought there was that clunky scene with the well that I thought was a little clunky. And at first watching the animation, I'm like, okay, I get that the line work and the movement is beautiful, but the colors are throwing me off. Expecting things like the wind rises and, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Nausicaa. I can't wait till we see that. So, well, I think it's, but realizing afterwards that, you know, the color scheme works because, mm-hmm. and, you know, the, the visualization works because this is the story as told by a five-year-old, how a five-year-old remembers things and everything else. And I'm willing to overlook the clunkiness of that one scene because everything else works so well. Uh, this is sublime. Uh, this is pure joy in movie form. This is 10 out of 10. Oh, so it's not a 9. It's a 10 out of 10. It is 10 out of 10, and it is 10 out of 10 prayers to the goddess of mercy. Ding, 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 ding. I haven't given a 10 yet, have I? Oh, no, yes. I did. I did give a 10. Totoro. I did. Did I give it a total? I thought yes. I gave Totoro a 10? Yes, everyone did. Hmm. Um. No, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remember what I've given. So, uh, you said last night that you like this better than Totoro. I like this better than Totoro, and so far of everything we've seen, this is my favorite. This is just, of all the movies that I, of all these that I watch, I think to myself as I'm rating them, as I'm reviewing them, which one of these do I want to sit down and watch with my 10-year-old niece? Expecting that as I'm watching it with her, how many questions is she going to ask me? And how much of the movie am I going to have to to spend explaining things to her? Or is she going to sit there, mouth agape, and not say a word? Exactly. So Totoro and this one, I think, are the two best. Maybe Kiki's, I think she'll get and love very much. Uh, but Totoro has got, you know, the scene with the one shoe in the lake. And there are some... <laughs> the end of that movie gets re- can go re- really dark. Which will be hard for a 10-year-old, I think. But this, this is pure... Pure joy. Now, so we'll this say. this actually gets your ten out of ten better than Totoro. Yes. Um. By the way, uh, you have also given Spirited Away a ten out of ten. Absolutely. As did I. Um. I am going to give this. Oh, and sorry, one more point I have yeah. to bring up. I'm sorry. And this movie ends. And that was my <laughs> point. That was my point. 
I was going to bring that up. There's a definitive ending to the story. Finally, Miyazaki figured it out. It didn't just stop. And it actually irised out, like, fade away. Like, it just... It it's perfect, and it ends at the perfect point. And then he's like, "You know what? I could just do a black screen with regular with regular credits." Nah, if that man killing the rest of you animators, that's animators I didn't kill enough. So that was going to be my point: is that it had it has an ending, and I just love that. Um, yeah, this gets a ten out of ten hams for me. Um, and, uh, for pretty much everything that Tech said, but also what I've said, but really it is pure joy. I am so joyful after watching this. Is it better than Totoro? I don't know. It might be, but currently I'm thinking they're, they're in a, a, a holdout standoff see, my, kind of a thing. See, my thing with you is I would love to put you in a room and you have to choose between Kiki, Totoro, and this. Well, I've already, Kiki Aww. doesn't get a 10. I didn't give Kiki a 10. Yes, but Kiki did hit that young it, it, girl. It hit a lot of notes, and I really love Kiki, but Totoro is definitely still spirited away, and Totoro are both above Kiki for if me. If you could take 15 minutes out of this movie and put those 15 minutes into Kiki to give me an actual bloody ending to the movie. <laughs> yeah, that would work That too. would make Kiki an 11 of 10 and make it perfect. Yeah. So, um, but th- yeah, so this movie and Totoro are kind of neck and neck. They're, they're, they're my top movies. And Totoro might have the edge simply because Totoro is what brought me to Ghibli. So, Jan. So, I'm giving this movie... Eight out of ten Ponyo Sisters. <laughs> no. Um, and I'm using the sisters because they did make up a lot of the background and showed a lot of support for their sisters. Yeah. Yeah. You know. The mother even says we all love Ponyo. <clears throat> why eight why eight of ten? Um, it it's not my favorite movie. And to be fair, Little Mermaid's not my favorite movie either. Do you have a favorite Ghibli? Oh, Cat Returns is pretty high. Totoro, Spirit Away, they're pretty high. Like, but it, it's not Ponyo. Um, I guess where I went in the first time watching it, I was a little biased because I was not really into it. Probably because of Disney Little Mermaid, yeah. Um, and it's still a movie that I can watch every once in a while and I can enjoy... But it's just not something that I can watch all the time. It's not something that, you know. Yep. It's just. And by the way. Not my cup of tea. You have only rated one thing a 10, and that was Totoro Mm -hmm. so far. And uh, I will say, there is one thing that this movie is lacking that you want in a good story and it's there's not enough conflict yeah no, there's I not think really a villain there's no yeah because even the dad who's supposed to be the villain isn't really a villain he's he's a he's an obstacle and there's not like true conflict and there's not the true hero's journey but that didn't matter to me <laughs> but i can see that mattering to other people there's, there's yeah. plenty of obstacles in this yeah movie. yeah but there's not an actual hard yeah. No. Yeah. There's not a real conflict. There's no. There's not an arch. There's not um, uh, a hero's journey where there, somebody learns no major, a lesson. Yeah, Shrew doesn't face the gates of oblivion. Exactly. There's no major climax because there's no real loss. Even either. even the the whole stipulation to Ponyo becoming human 
was that um, Susuke accepts her even though he already has the entire yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. So but they like, don't know oh. that. Yeah. Yeah, the dad doesn't know that. To the to the parents, there are stakes because if she doesn't, if if she Sosuke doesn't pass, then she turns to Seafoam. By the way, if, if the Asao Takahata version, he would have failed the test, and yes. she would have become Seafoam, and then he would have killed. For the viewers, those are, there are no real stakes because right. we know He's we're like great. he he, he loves her already. Yeah. So for me, this is a nine out of ten. Respect your fathers. <laughs> um, because Respect it, it, your father. The only problem I have with this is that this is long. For a kid's movie, it's an hour and 55 minutes. That is a runtime. If you want to, again, you want to get some kids to watch this, that's a runtime, baby. Take the time out of this and put it in Kiki's. Honestly, Kiki just needed like 10 more minutes. Yeah, it did. Just, just to just give, give me an ending. But... Again, I think I've said this every episode, but I cannot wait. Can't. I may see if I can talk Nutty into doing another episode while she's here, and we'll just go ahead and watch The Wind Rises, because I want to see Tech's reaction to this movie. Oh. <laughs> I want to see Tech's reaction to this movie, because I love the love story in this. It is innocent, it is sweet, and it's so it's What I love pure. about this rub- so love story pure. is it's not romantic. Not at all. It's not sexual. It's Love in its purest form. And you know that these will, like, in the most idealistic form, this will turn into a long lasting yeah. relationship. When, and when she can become human as soon as he gives her a kiss to break her out of the oh, bubble at the end of the movie. Again, and he has the bubble tucked under his arm for about 45 seconds. And the best part is they keep saying shit. Just but he accepted her as a fish and he was fine with it even but if he had the same they keep life. mentioning things that distracts him from what he wanted to do or just yeah. turn her into a human and finally she just goes screw this and, and she kisses him yeah. and then breaks the spell yeah. and, that's, and I feel that's trademark Miyazaki I love he it he has wonderful female characters in his stuff and that is a trademark you know what? I am a strong female character. I don't need you to kiss me. I'll kiss you. Yeah. And the and true, the true test they said that they were giving him a test. The true test is, is his love unconditional? And yeah, it is. And, and the mother and so says, is you got her to us safely. Yeah. And the, the, the scene, I feel like the, the core of the test was after she's expended all her magic mm-hmm. and she's tired and she's sleeping and he wants her to, you know, make the new candle so they can just get yeah. to the shore. And he pushes the boat. He gets out, swims, and paddles and gets that boat. With all those creepy prehistoric fish swimming yeah, around him. That probably should have ate him because yeah. they didn't have their sea, yeah. sea queen to, to govern them. But he gets her to the sea. And he forgets his boat. Like, that's his toy. He has that through the most of the movie. Yeah. But he lets it go to carry her and to yeah. get her up. And, he, and the best part, I love it. I think it symbolizes the most the purity of their relationship is when he tells her as they're about to go through the gate or the tunnel yeah. don't let go of my hand yep and he purposely and he if you watch he never lets go of her hand yep. she falls asleep falls down yep he never lets it go and that to me is where he passed the test that's where the mother goes she'll be fine yep and dad's like well crap I lost my daughter I'll just have to console myself with my thousand other daughters <laughs> Yeah, but... But that was his... I'm assuming his first, or it might not have been his first. He might have lost every other daughter, and that's why it hurts him every time. We don't know. Because we don't know know what happens after that. And and I love how, like, 
the way the mom is in this, because you've mentioned this in when we were afterwards, you're like, she's like Dr. Manhattan, man. She's oh, above yeah. all of this. It's like, because cause the dad's like, but if he fails, she'll be turned to fee- seafoam. And the mom's like, we all turn to seafoam eventually. And he's like, we, all we, came, we all came from. Yeah, yeah we all came from it. We'll all be seafoam. It's like, she's, the, she's the goddess of the uh, ocean and mercy. She is so far removed from yeah. the concerns of any one individual, even when it's her daughter. Yeah, yeah. and she never yeah. gets upset that Ponyo has strove out to be her own character. And her own person in this, because when she, Ponyo has opened that hole in reality, yeah. the mom just comes out and fixes it. She just she's comes just like, out, eh. she says, oh, all these boats have coalesced here because of the tides and the sea. That's fine. I'll bring them back. I'll bring them back. So, who does everyone want to cosplay from this? <sighs> if I get to wear an awesome wig, I definitely want to be Liam Neeson's character. Like, you'd be a nice do, big, do, crazy wig. Do I wig. cosplay Lisa a lot? Does that count? <laughs> you just are Lisa. That is life. That's reality. Um, if I could get an actual functional copy of that little boat, like I said, I imagine a hotel. I imagine a hotel that's hosting a Miyazaki convention, and everybody's running around as like Mononoke, or they're running around as No Face, and you got you know Totoro's everywhere. And then in the hotel pool is me in a captain's hat, eating ham sandwiches and puttering around in this little candle-powered boat. There is some great dialogue in this. Like I know we're going way over time, but when she, when he, when when Ponyo meets the pregnant, the lady with the baby, and she's yeah. breastfeeding, and she goes. She wants to. She she. You can see she used her magic to understand what the baby's crying for, yeah. which is he's hungry. Yeah. So she gives them the soup, and the lady's like, "Oh, he can't. He can't eat that. He he only can eat milk at this stage. So can I eat it? And I'll and that'll let me make milk for him." She goes, "That's fine." And then she turns and hands her these sandwiches and says, "Here's milk." And Sasuke goes, "Yeah, she's already eaten the ham off." Those, <laughs> And then and then the baby has a cold and she heals the baby. I love it. But the Bobby, did you see the animated snot dribble? Oh yeah, yeah, that the was really good. Dead animators. It's the that wonderful explanation from the mother, that beautiful matronly explanation yeah. of he only eats milk, but if you if I eat the soup, I can make milk for him. And that's exactly how you'd explain that yeah. to a five year old. And the okay, because Sure. She already ate the ham with these sandwiches. Yeah, Here you yeah. go. Yeah, I'll but the topic. and the um, the one that uh, the other thing I love in this movie is the when she finally when Ponyo finally becomes human and gives Sosuke that glomping four limbed monkey hug. Yes. Oh my God, that yeah, is so true, wonderful. And it's a true monkey hug. Yeah, because she she's has, got percentile toes. Yes, she, she has. She can use her hands, her hands or her feet, which is great because she says that at one point. She says. Oh, I'll just use my feet. Yeah. Um, so my cosplay, I think, is going to be Grandma Mare uh, because, well, you took the dad. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> I think I could do uh, – it would be fun. You're going to be, be Betty White and just be nice and nice to people? No, no, no. Grandma Mare is the mom. Oh. The the goddess of mercy. By the way, the god of mercy was not a petite woman. By the way, no, which is, no, which is one not, of the reasons I loved it. She was a rather handsome um, lady, uh, very tall, and that was yeah, Kate Blanchett. Was very tall. She was taller than the dad. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, she was the entire ocean. I mean, like when she was yeah. underneath, I mean, she 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 kind of changes to fit, like Doc it. Manhattan. She changes to fit whatever by she way, wants. I love how that the dad is kind of the, the son. If you if yeah. You, Versus the moon, which is the mother, because wherever yes. the mother goes, there's a column of shadow. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. She she is the tide. And you also only see her out and about at night. At night. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, uh that's what we thought. And you can let us know what you thought of this movie uh by following the uh link the email addresses, phone numbers and websites in uh, the outro that we'll play after this. But in the meantime, where can people find you on the internet? So, we've been a little quiet over here in the Talk Nerd Singing Studios. This is, you know, work and life. But it's fine. We're going to step it back up and do great things. And you can see those great things at our website, which is TalkNerdToMePodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash NerdyToMe. And, of course, you can find us on Twitter at NerdyToMePodcast. And And all of the twos are the number Number twos. Yes. Anybody have any shout-outs, anything you want to... You can find all of my stuff at nimlast.org and more stuff to follow soon. With that as well, if you were part of the lynch mob that tried to kill me for giving Mononoke a 3 out of 10, (laughs) and or you agree with the lynch mob that tried to kill me for giving Mononoke (laughs) a 3 out of 10, and you think that my penance is over or I have more penance to give, let me know. Yeah. Someone talk to me about this, okay? I didn't like one movie, and I'm now riddled with guilt for giving it a bad score because I had a 13-year-old girl hate on me with her mom. You know what, though? Like, honestly, you shouldn't feel bad because this guy over here gave Whisper the Heart a two. I did. It's still my least favorite movie. It wasn't. It, I didn't like it either. It wasn't that. I don't think it deserves <laughs> now, a two. Now, I will say this. big. Sh- I will give shout-outs here. Big shout-outs to two people. Um, they have done work for me on the podcast. I, I do this all the time, um, but I've did this once before for Tiffany Gonzalez. She is an artist. She does a lot of the chibi artwork that we have for the podcast. She's marvelous and fantastic. And now for the logos for Anime One Hundred and One for Nerds and Real Talk, Nerds on Cinema. Those were done by Riot Chu. You can find her on Instagram as Intro Chu. Um, she's done some marvelous artwork. Matter of fact, the ballerina, the dancer that I showed you the picture, she did those. So go find those guys. Uh, Tiffany Gonzalez, she's on Instagram and Facebook as Tiffany Gonzalez. And you can find Raichu on Instagram as Introchu. Thank you very much. Talk to you later. Bye. Adios. I'm Jen, and this is Jason. And you should be listening to the Talk Nerdy to Me podcast. That was a promo. Promo? You didn't even tell them they could find us on Facebook. Where? You mean at facebook.com slash nerdytome? Yes, and what about their website? Uh, talknerdytomepodcast.com? Yes, but you didn't tell them. Oh, uh, talknerdytomepodcast.com? Exactly. That would be a promo. Luckily, I was recording. Were you? Aww. Ugh. <sighs> Nutty Bites is produced by Nimlas Studios under a Creative Commons Attribution No Commercial Non-Derivatives 3.0 International License. That means you can't change it without my permission. You can share it and send it to your friends. Just link back to me, my site, and everything. We live at nimlas.org, which has links to everything social media, including facebook.com slash group slash Nutty Bites and patreon.com slash nukejoss or call 347-Nutty42.